Hey, on the Superstation, the voice of Detroit. Hey, the future of radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. It is Sunday, February 18th, 2018, and we are live tonight. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Well, the film Black Panther debuted Friday, February 16th, and it is breaking records. It is expected to do $194 million um, through Sunday. Okay, uh, Box Office Mojo is reporting that. Also, CNN Money.com uh, is reporting that as well. I saw it uh, Thursday. Um, I saw a, a nighttime showing of it um, out in Southfield. I saw it Thursday. It is a fantastic movie. Everybody, all African Americans, should go see this movie. Um, we're going to talk about that some tonight. I wrote an article about it also, okay? Uh, I've been posting articles on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network, about the film Black Friday. I mean, uh, about the film, not Black Friday, that's a documentary series I'm in, the film Black Panther. The film Black Panther, and it is taking America by storm. Uh, on social media, we see pictures of African Americans going to see the movie wearing African garb. And they're looking sharp. The women are looking beautiful. Uh, there are more people wearing African, more African Americans wearing African garb to go see Black Panther than go to uh, Kwanzaa celebrations. You got, I mean, you look at the, you look at the number of people. You you don't see this number of people wearing African garb and pictures of them on social media going to Kwanzaa celebrations. I've never seen anything like this before. I don't think a lot of African Americans wore African garb to go see Coming to America back in 1988. That was about Zamunda. I don't, I, don't, I don't even think we did that. So this is taking America by storm. You have a lot of people that want to under that want to know more about African history. It was good they had this movie uh, during African American History Month. I just I, I did I did presentations. I've been doing presentations the past three days, right? So today I spoke at uh, St. Francis Church um, in let's see uh, West Warren Avenue. Okay, St. Francis Church, uh, I think it was what, 7201 West Warren Avenue. Shout out to the pastor over there and Brother Kenyatta. Had me come uh, speak, uh, do a presentation for African American History Month. So my presentation is called Breaking the Change, Why We Celebrate African American History Month. Breaking the Change, Why We Celebrate African American History Month. There were children there also. One of the things we talked about was the fell Black Panther, right? And how you, and how you deal with the African nation you're dealing with the African nation of Wakanda that was never conquered by Europeans. Okay? Wasn't a victim of the transatlantic slave trade, never conquered by Europeans. And this is one of the reasons why Wakanda is so technologically advanced because their history was not interrupted by slavery and colonialism. Right? So I, I, I've been posting articles the past few days on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network, where we have one million followers on our Facebook fan page. People have been learning a lot. And um, I wrote an article, uh, what was it, Saturday morning? Let's see, the day is the 18th. What day? I wrote this article uh, yes, Saturday morning, February 17th. The uh, Black Panther is having an impact on the conscious level of African Americans. Black Panther is having an impact on the conscious level of African Americans. Okay, we'll talk some about that. Then we see that... Uh, um, Deadline, uh, Deadline.com has an article about how the uh, $84 million 
was uh, the economic impact in the state of Georgia when the film Black Panther was filming there. They have an article from earlier this month talking about that. $84 million impact. A lot of African Americans benefited from that. Now, you have some African Americans saying, oh, uh, you know, the, uh, Disney's going to make $200 million this weekend. None of that's going to African Americans. That's not true. Who told you that? Where do you think all these people are buying their African garb from? Where do you think all these people are buying their African garb from? They're not getting it from Target or Walmart. They're buying it from African people, buying it from African Americans. Now, see, the interesting thing, right? Now, when you read this article from Deadline.com, and I'll give you the name of it here in just a minute, they talk about the economic impact, right? And you had African-American businesses making money, African-American hairdressers. They talk, they talk about this, and there are other articles that deal with this. Now, here's the interesting thing, right? See, success is where preparation meets opportunity. Success is where preparation meets opportunity. Now, we've known for about two years that the movie Black Panther was coming out. How did you prepare yourself to profit from the movie? I'll wait. We've known for about two years, right, since uh, Captain America Civil War, that the Black Panther movie was coming out. So how did you prepare yourself? How did you position yourself to profit from the film? Dr. Boyce Watkins, this past weekend, he taught a 48-hour business school, and he talked about we're making real Black Panthers. He broadcasted some of it on, on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, where we have one million followers. We've been posting uh, articles about the film. Essence Magazine has articles. AtlantaBlackStar.com, Huffington Post Black Voices, The Grio. The Grio, Essence Magazine, uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com, all African-American-owned. They're generating ad revenue from articles dealing with this. How did you position yourself to benefit from the film Black Panther? These, this is a legitimate question, right? Dr. Dr. Boyce Walker said one of the things we could do is buy stock in Disney because their stock is going to go through the roof, right? So uh, then you got Nandy over at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe. She has Black Panther comic books. When I was over there doing my presentation uh, February 3rd and 4th, she has a big cardboard cutout, life-size uh, cardboard uh, of uh, uh, the Black Panther. She has Black Panther comic books over there. How did you position yourself to profit? If you knew it was coming for two years, how did you position yourself to profit from the film Black Panther? It ain't like we just found out last week the film was coming out. When they came out with Captain America Civil War and Chadwick Boseman played the Black Panther, this is the debut of the Black Panther. We knew it was coming. How did you position yourself? See, success is where preparation meets opportunity. How did you position yourself to take advantage of the opportunity? I'll wait. Dr. Boyce Watkins has been kicking behind with the black with the 48-hour black business school this weekend. Have African Americans there because they're energized. They want to start businesses. Right? How did you position yourself? So you have the, you know, last week, last weekend we talked about the uh, the ch the change.org um, petition. Uh, at, uh, trying to put pressure on Disney to reinvest 25% of their world, worldwide profits into the African-American community, especially invest in teaching African-American children the STEM field, science, technology, engineering, and math. I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't have a problem with that at all. But see, people who are not business-minded sit back and complain and cry. See, th these are the Negro naysayers. 
they sit back and complain and cry. The people who are entrepreneurs, the people who are thinking, they say, this is coming. Okay? Now, how can I position myself? AtlantaBlackStar.com, The Grio, Essence Magazine, African American Publications, Your Black World. I, could, I contribute uh, content to Your Black World. We've been running articles all weekend and, and video clips on YouTube all weekend about Black, Pan about, about Black Panther. So when I see these memes, memes on Facebook and saying zero dollars for the African American community, that's wrong. Zero dollars in your pocket. Why didn't you position yourself? You knew it was coming for two years. Why didn't you position yourself? Success is where preparation meets opportunity. How did you position yourself for the opportunity? Black Panther generates $89.3 million for the Georgia economy. A lot, a lot of the film was shot in Atlanta. You had African Americans making money in Atlanta. Deadline.com. Read this article. Black Panther generates $89.3 million for Georgia economy. Okay? This is from February 7, 2018. We posted it uh, yesterday on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Right? It's been viewed, I mean, it's been liked, I think, about 1,600 times. So in this article, it says that Black Panther continues to do amazing things. During the special screening of the movie, um, uh, let's see, Marvel uh, chairman and CEO uh, Charles uh, Rifkin, MPAA, Chairman and CEO Charles Rifkin highlighted the contributions of the Marvel Studios production made to Georgia as it generated $83.9 million to the state's economy. Now, those living in Georgia, African Americans, those living in Atlanta, how did you position yourself to uh, profit off of this? You knew it was coming. And there were African Americans who positioned themselves to profit off of this. I asked this question on uh, our Facebook fan page where we have one million followers. I, said, well, I posted an article yesterday about this, right? So when you go to our fan page, you're going to see the video of Dr. Boyce Watkins teaching um, the uh, uh, Black Business School, of course, the 48-hour business school. You had Jessica Smitty Smith, one of the uh, um, one of the instructors. He sent out the email blast today. Dr. Claude Anderson is going to join the faculty of the Black Business School. I just talked to Dr. Claude Anderson yesterday. Dr. Anderson, one of my teachers off of Black Labor, White Wealth, Power Nomics, he called me yesterday because I'm going to be interviewing him on Monday. This is going to be huge. Okay? We're going to do that on Facebook. And then we'll, we'll play the broadcast, we'll play the interview next Sunday on the show. And we're going to deal with some deep topics. Right? So, I posted this um, article from Deadline.com on our fan page yesterday. And uh, Black Panther generates 89.3 million for Georgia economy. And I asked the question, does anyone know of any, of any African-American-owned businesses They got a piece of this business? From my understanding, a lot of the filming was in Atlanta. And I know a lot of them did because I, I heard, um, you know, people talking about uh, um, uh, African-American hairdressers and things like this, uh, different businesses that profited from this, okay? So what... Somebody, and I have to check AtlantaBlackStar.com, and maybe I, uh, I need to talk to Boyce about this. Um, articles need to be written about African-American-owned businesses that benefited and profited from this movie. Because other movies are being made. This ain't the only movie that's being made in uh, Atlanta. This isn't the only movie that's being made in a major city that has a large African-American population. So how do businesses position themselves to profit off of the movie industry? 
So instead of sitting back with your lip poked out talking about the African American community didn't get no, they get got zero dollars. No, maybe you got zero dollars. That's just not true. So Kimberly Robinson on uh, Facebook on the thread of this uh, article that I posted, she said Afrocentric Network African store in the West End, that's in Atlanta, sold out of almost everything. They came through buying stuff for the market scenes. How is your store positioned to benefit from this? Did you order Black Panther comic books? Did you order Black Panther paraphernalia? How are you positioned? You sat back for two years, knew this was coming, didn't position yourself? Mandy has Black Panther comic books. 71 Oakman Avenue, Highland Park, Michigan. That's where I do some of, I just did my lectures there February 3rd and 4th. That's how I know I saw them. She's positioned herself. So how is it that Negro naysayers sit back and say zero money to the African-American community? No, maybe zero dollars to you. See, success is where preparation meets opportunity. I've taught entrepreneurship for seven years. Success, how did you prepare yourself for an opportunity? I, 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 I've incorporated Black Panther into my presentations. There were youth there today. The youth were blown away. Why? Because the word Wakanda, as I posted on Facebook yesterday, the word Wakanda is a Native American word from the Sioux Indians, from the uh, uh, Omaha Indians, and the Ponca Indians. Right? This is a Native American term. You got uh, a water park in Wisconsin called Wakanda. W-A-K-A-N-D. A. It's a water park. You think they're going to get a bunch of business now? You've got schools, like in Nebraska called Wakanda, but the original Native Americans were African people. Dr. David Imhotep, has a, his new book is out, The uh, First Americans Were Africans Revisited. It just came out last two months. That's about to fly off the shelves because people want to learn. The time we have been waiting for is now. So people sit back and say, when are we going to do something? When people want to learn their history, when people want to learn their history, the time we have been waiting for is now. As I posted on Facebook yesterday, real teachers teach and haters hate. Real teachers teach and haters hate. Right? So I posted an article yesterday from AtlantaBlackStar.com that's about, uh, what, four years old? Okay? Name of this article deals with... Uh, this one is dealing with the uh, 10 fearless uh, African women, right? 10 fearless African women warriors from AtlantaBlackStar.com. 10, fear 10 fearless black female warriors throughout history. Okay, AtlantaBlackStar.com is African American owned and operated. So I posted a picture of the African female warriors from Wakanda that guard the nation. And I said, if you saw the movie Black Panther, then you saw the African female warriors who protected Wakanda. They were most likely patterned after the African female warriors of Dahomey among the faux people in present-day Benin, which is in West Africa. Now, the African nation of Benin is even mentioned in the movie Wakanda during the museum scene when uh, Eric Killmonger and Klaus are there to steal the artifacts. And he mentions he looks at one of the artifacts and he said it's from Benin. Okay, so in this article, uh, I think it was this, uh, page two of the article, 
they talk about the Dahomey Amazons or Minno was an all-female military regiment of the four people of the kingdom of Dahomey and present-day Republic of Benin. They existed from the 17th century to the end of the 19th century. While European narratives refer to the women soldiers as Amazons. This is where the Amazons come from. Because of their similarity to the semi-mythical Amazons of ancient Anatolia, they call themselves uh, a hosey or the king's wives or minnow our mothers in the faux language. F-O-N, pronounced faux. The Ahosi were extremely well trained and inculcated with a very aggressive attitude. They were ferocious fighters with a reputation for decapitating soldiers in the middle of battle as well as those who were unfortunate to become their captives. See, read this article. This is our history. Now, this is African-American owned and operated. This article is from 2013. It's getting new life. We posted on our fan page, the African History Network, where we have one million followers. People are reading this article, generating revenue for AtlantaBlackStar.com. When people say zero dollars to African-American community, that's wrong. That's not true. Maybe zero dollars in your pocket, but why didn't you position yourself when you knew two years ago this movie was coming out? We're coming up on the break. We'll be, when we come back from the break, we'll be joined by former city councilman Kwame Kenyatta. I'm Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network. You listen to the African History Network show on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation of Future Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. Are you an African-American business owner? Well, you want to have your business listed at Afroganics.co. Afroganics is a multi-vendor e-commerce platform that allows customers to purchase items, book services, make appointments, make reservations at restaurants, order groceries, and so much more. Featuring more than 200 categories, Afroganics will showcase African-American businesses of all types. Afroganics launches in April of 2018 for customers, but business owners can register right now at Afroganics.co. That's Afro, G-A-N-I-X, dot C-O. If you register now, your store will be free until July 2018. Plus, Afroganics takes absolutely no commissions ever. Afroganics is committed to building a virtual Black Wall Street. Visit Afroganics.co today. Hello there, Afro Nation. We're sure that many of you make purchases online, but... It's painfully obvious there aren't that many platforms just for black-owned businesses out there. How many of you buy products online? Have you ever put in a food order for pickup or delivery? What about making a reservation at a restaurant? Lastly, how many of you book appointments online? Well, on Afroganics, you'll be able to buy products, put in orders for pickup or delivery, book appointments, make reservations, and so much more. You'll be able to find black-owned businesses locally and nationally by name, city, state, zip code, or the 200 plus categories that we have. We really mean business when we say we want to create a virtual Black Wall Street within each black community across the nation. We look forward to seeing you buying black on Afroganics when we launch for customers April 2018. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. 
this is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at NewBusinessSolutions.com. The new documentary, 1804, The Hidden History of Haiti, is available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. 1804 goes in depth about the four principal players who were instrumental in Haiti's independence. They were Mackendall, Duddy Bookman, Toussaint L'Overture, and Jean-Jacques Dessalines. This documentary gives a compelling look into the strategies, the motivation, and the mindset that led to Haiti being the only slave population who successfully overthrew their oppressors. Featured in the documentary 1804 are Dr. Leonard Jeffries, Professor James Small, Professor Kabahiawatha Kamene, Dr. Wade Nobles, Wycliffe John, and many more. The documentary is available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's from director Tariq Nasheed, creator of the Hidden Color series, also available at, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Our other documentaries, including the Black Friday series featuring Michael Imhotep, Elementary Genocide, and Michael Imhotep is featured in Elementary Genocide Part 3, Resurrecting Black Wall Street, The Blueprint, and many others, all available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Place your orders today. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the future of radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have, uh, you can listen to all the podcasts of our shows there. You can listen to, uh, uh, you can read my articles that I write, and also uh, you can order my DVD lectures. So the presentation I did today, um, breaking the change while we celebrate African American History Month. That's in uh, that was an overview, one-hour overview of a three-hour presentation. You can order the full three-hour presentation at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right. Okay. So on the line, we are joined by uh, former City Councilman of Detroit, Kwame Kenyatta. He's going to be back in Detroit this Thursday. Speaking at uh, Sacred Heart Activity Center, Sacred Heart Activity Center, for the Tribute to Our Warriors program, Tribute to Our Warriors program, honoring Chokwe Lumumba and Malcolm X. Okay, and on the line to tell us more about that is the one and only the Honorable Kwame Kenyatta. Hotel brother, how you doing tonight? I'm all right, man. Good to hear you. Good. To, I'm looking forward to seeing you again this Thursday. Yes, we are uh, coming in to be a part of a great celebration. Excuse me. Great celebration honoring two of our uh, heroes who are ancestors, uh, Brother Shokwe Mumba, who was a, a friend, a mentor, and a leader that I knew uh, personally, and Brother Malcolm X, who we all 
know of and have studied, both of them uh, made their transition, whether, uh, whether uh, Malcolm X, of course, was assassinated on yes. February 21st, 1965, and Brother Way made his transition on February 25th, mm-hmm. 2014. So as we come to celebrate our history, we commemorate the, the life and times of these giants, and we look at the legacy that they left and the value of their lives and the lessons that we learned from uh, their contribution and mistakes that they may have made as well. Absolutely, definitely. Well, look, it's taking place um, this uh, this Thursday, February 22nd, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Sacred Heart Activities Building, 3451 Rivard Street in Detroit, Michigan. Right. 3451 Rivard Street in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, the theme is Legacies Left and Lessons Learned. Legacies Left and Lessons Learned, okay? Uh, 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 Kwame Kenyatta, former city councilman of Detroit, is a special guest speaker. There will be performance tributes uh, as well, and uh, there will be food available, etc. It's a free event. Definitely come on out. Now, for people who may not be familiar with Chokwe Lumumba, okay, explain to people who he was. Well, Chokwe, the brother who uh, grew up, of course, in the city of Detroit, uh, he was a leading member and one of the first vice presidents of the Republic of New Africa, mm-hmm. which was founded in the city of Detroit. In fact, they are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Republic of New Africa uh, in March. Uh, it was founded in 1968, and of course, that's 50 years ago. And as uh, Brother Shokwe was involved in helping to find, uh, helping to found the uh, Malcolm X Community Center, as well as the uh, New African People's Organization, he was also involved in a leading the student takeover there at Wayne State Law School mm-hmm. and changing some of the dynamics there as it relates to new lawyers coming in and what they what they brought. He and myself, of course, was involved in another takeover that took place there at um, Wayne State University to bring about the Pan-African Studies program led by Brother Daryl Dawson and Earl Henderson and others. Right. Uh, Brother Shelfley was front and center on was, that. Was that in the '88 or? Because I remember when it took place. I, I started the year after. I started in the fall of '89 at Wayne State. So was that '88 that that took place, or '89? What's your '88? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then of course he, um, in 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 being true to the concept of freeing the land, he moved from the city of Detroit not once but twice. Mm-hmm. To go down to Jackson, Mississippi, uh, to begin the work of uh, building a, a nation state uh, there in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And ultimately, of course, he became the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi right. in two, 2013. Yes, yes. Okay, um, mm-hmm. go ahead. Outside of that, of course, Brother Shokwe represented Asada Shakur. Uh, Matula Shakur mm-hmm. and Tupac Shakur. Right, because he was an attorney. He, he was an attorney, for those that don't know. He, yeah, indicated, yeah. He was an attorney as he uh, represented a number 
of defendants across this country, so many cases that he was involved in across the country, mm-hmm. uh, of those who have been oppressed, locked up, and in many cases, uh, we had to get him out of jail so he could get us out of jail. He was a <laughs> uh, true leader. Uh, we, we, uh, he got locked up with the folks and then had to get out and represent them, but he, he led by example. Right, exactly, exactly. And, and so we want to we want to talk about uh, his life, not only on the battlefield, but also in the halls of City Hall and and governing and and what that meant in the short period of time that he was there as mayor. But before he was there, he was also a city councilman there in uh, uh, Jack here in Jackson, Mississippi, where I am now. Okay. Absolutely. Well, he was really a trailblazer. Uh, he was a freedom fighter. But the other thing was he was educated as well. See, that's the other thing. Yeah, and, and this is what this is what uh, people have to understand is that we have to learn the law, and we need to lo- know the law better than they know the law. We got if it's, if it's if it's public policy and the law is kicking your behind, then we must master political self defense, and we must and we must know the law better than they know the law and understand how to disarm them of it and use it to our advantage. Because everything, everything deals with law and policy. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Because you're on city council. You know this better than I do. Go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. We, we use it as a tool and, and not as an end in right. and of itself. Exactly. He did not see it as an end. And, of course, Asada Shakur, mm-hmm. he represented, didn't see it as the end, even though he was her representative. Mm-hmm. He knew the law. She still ended up in jail, and it wasn't until Matula Shakur and, and uh, Sekou Dinga and many others uh, came in and liberated her from those jails. Right. And, of course, as a result, she is now in Cuba. Right. Uh, America, under the uh, Barack administration, put a bounty on her head mm-hmm. of uh, over a million dollars. So uh, the New Jersey State Police, uh, indicate that they will do whatever is necessary to bring her back to America, uh, but we don't see that happening anytime soon. Right, exactly. So what happened in uh, 2013, which is the 50, 50th year anniversary of the killing of uh, New Jersey State Trooper Forrest Warner, um, the FBI, uh, I think, so So the, the, the FBI matched, I think what happened was the FBI matched the one million dollar bounty that was already on her head. I think the state of New Jersey had a one million dollar bounty. The FBI matched the one million dollar uh, bounty. Uh, that's the what happened. Justice Go ahead. Justice Department. Yeah, the Justice mm-hmm. Department. Mm-hmm. The FBI can't do anything without the Justice Department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Purposefully, because the Justice Department was under the leadership of Eric Holder mm-hmm. at that time, right? And there was something that could have been done uh, about that. Uh, because the leadership of the president of the FBI is under the, the president, and of course the president had the, the the right, if he wanted to, when he left office, to pardon mm-hmm. Shakur or Matuba Shakur. Right. And, uh, it was Brother Shokwe who always said to us, and I thought he was out of his mind, he said one day they will give you a black president, but that black president will still represent white American, I think we must clearly understand that. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. 
But while you have that black president at the same time, you need to get as much as you can. You need to push agendas and get as much as you can. Unfortunately, uh, at least in the first term, a, 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 a lot of people see when see when I would post things on Facebook and say, you know, we need to hold President Obama accountable, just like any other politician. People would tell me, oftentimes, he's the president of all the people, not black people. I said, I said we need to hold him accountable, just like any other president. It's nothing personal. If he was white, you would do that. You know, you don't have to call him names and things like that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we, I'm sorry. Yeah, we were just happy that he was there. We were happy mm -hmm. to be in the White House, uh, though nothing really uh, uh, was celebrated. There were no crimes or celebrations in the White House. He did do Motown and uh, and some Black History Month, but he never Black had Kwanzaa celebration. Mm -hmm. yeah, he wished a happy. He wished a happy Kwanzaa. They didn't do a Kwanzaa celebration. He wished a happy Kwanzaa. They had the uh, celebration of Black Music Month in in June. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. So, so we we have to, and, and and that's fine because we know that uh, this government represents uh, what it is, and whoever's in that position is going to uh, represent the United States government. Doesn't mean that he did not take some positions that you wish you were there to take today, mm -hmm. because this guy who's in there now is deadly. And right. He is a racist. Yeah. And, and, and there, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely. No what he say, no matter what he says, that, that's exactly what he is. And uh, he's he's under the thumb of not only Russia but definitely the NRA. Right. And of course, I believe in self defense. I have a, a I have a, a, a license to carry, mm -hmm. and uh, I bear arms, so I believe in that. Right. But at the same time. Uh, when you have senseless killings going on and children are being murdered uh, by these individuals, right. clearly there are some things that could be said about and to the gun manufacturers uh, that could eliminate some of the availability of guns that are put in the hands of sick people that are killing innocent people. Right, and, and actually, the, mm -hmm. and actually, well, well, the reason why is because the NRA spent twenty-one million dollars to put him in office. That's what happened. Yeah, see, the, see, see. Yeah, he's in the NRA. Yeah, but specifically the NRA. Yeah, the Russians absolutely, but he's in the NRA's pocket. This is why when he gave his little speech uh, a couple of days ago, he didn't even mention the word gun. Okay, he's in the NRA's pocket. Right, so. Um, and the NRA is that their purpose is not to protect the rights of gun owners; it's to protect the gun manufacturers. That's what they really do. They're there to protect the gun manufacturers, the National Rifle Association, okay, uh, which is one of the most powerful lobbies in the country, okay. All right. So once again, uh, this is Brother Kwame Kenyatta. We're speaking to. He is uh, the keynote speaker coming up this Thursday, February twenty second, two thousand eighteen, six p.m. to nine p.m. At Sacred Heart Activities Building, located at 3451 Rivard Street in Detroit. 3451 Rivard Street in Detroit. Now, this event is put on by the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, Sister Shoshana, Brother Bomani. Brother Bomani came to my presentation today over at St. Francis Baptist Church. And Committee to Preserve the Legacy of Chokwe Lumumba. It's called uh, Tribute to Our Warriors Program. Tribute to Our Warriors Program, Honoring Chokwe Lumumba. And Malcolm X. We'll put this flyer at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. 
AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's a free event. Come on out. There'll be food available. Um, for vendor contacts, con call 313-304-3915. 313-304-3915 or 313-244-9909. 313-244-9909. All right, Brother Kwame, I look forward to seeing you this Thursday, okay? Very good, Brother. At the end, I will also talk about the Detroit giveaway. I don't think Detroit was taken from us. Mm -hmm. I think we gave it away. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that and the details of two cities and yes. what's happening. I'll be touring the city on Thursday. Uh, in the old neighborhoods that's not getting any development whatsoever, and uh, I will give that report on Thursday as well. Okay, man, I'm going to connect with you, man. I want to go on that tour also, because there's a lot of history involved in that tour as well, and there's economics also. We need to have a synthesis. Okay, brother. All right, brother. All right take care. I'll see you Thursday. All right, so that was uh, former uh, Detroit City Councilman Kwame Kenyatta. Uh, he'll be here uh, in Detroit Thursday. We'll put this flyer on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, so right before uh, our interview with Kwame Kenyatta, we talked. We were talking about the film Black Panther. We're going back to that topic. Black Panther is raising the conscious level of African Americans. Black Panther is raising the conscious level of African Americans. It is truly a hit. Um, if you go to boxofficemojo.com, and you can give us a call with your questions and comments at 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600. Those watching on Facebook, uh, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. 313-778-7600 is the uh, call-in number. Okay? And uh, Box Office Mojo, so this is the industry website for box office receipts for a movie. Right on their homepage, Black Panther delivers fifth largest opening of all time. Because it did, uh, on Thursday, it did $25.2 million on Thursday. Okay? It opened officially on Friday. I went to go see it Thursday night at 10.45 p.m. showing. I'm going again tomorrow uh, to see it also. Um, it's heading is headed toward a two hundred and eighteen million dollar four day debut, and we know that uh, you know tomorrow's President's Day, so a lot of people are going. Uh, so I'm trying to go early tomorrow uh, to beat the crowd. February 18th, dominating the weekend and delivering the fifth largest opening weekend of all time. Disney and Marvel's Black Panther toppled the President's Day weekend box office, outperforming its nearest competitor by nearly $175 million based on estimates. So in the number one position is Black Panther at $192 million. Number one at the box office. Number two at the box office is Peter Rabbit at $17 million. Wait a second. Black Panther at $192 million. Peter Rabbit at $17 million. Fifty Shades Freed, which is the next installment in the Fifty Shades of Grey uh, series, $16 million. Black Panther is, is, is eating up the competition, right? Black Panther is tearing up the competition. As a result, fellow new wide releases were left in the dust with both Lionsgate's Early Man and, and Pure Flix's Sam, uh, Samson struggling in the low single digits. Now, this film... Is uh, it, it's playing it uh, on over four thousand screens. Let me see how many screens is this film on. I know I, I read uh, it was uh, in, uh was it actually it's it actually okay. 
4,020 theaters. Let me put it like that. 4,020 theaters, which is unheard of, really, for a movie with a predominantly African-American cast, African-American director, African-American writers. They usually don't get this level of theaters to play in, which, and the number of theaters that you're on oftentimes has a big impact on the bottom line revenue at the box office. So this is huge. So this is about to open up. Now, they've already announced there's going to be a sequel, The Black Panther, right? But this is going to open up a lot of doors for other uh, superhero movies, uh, I would say non-slave movies. Tell you the truth, I would say non-slave movies, right? Okay, so uh, before the break, I mean before the interview with uh, Kwame Kenyatta, I was talking about the article that we posted on our fan page, the African History Network, on Facebook. Ten fearless black female warriors throughout history. This is from AtlantaBlackStar.com. African American owned and operated. Ten female, ten fearless black female warriors throughout history. Okay, and I said if you saw the um, film uh, Black Panther, you saw the uh, African warriors, the, Af the uh, all-female African warriors who protected Wakanda. And I said that was probably based upon the uh, female warriors of uh, Dahomey among, among the faux people. Okay? And this is what this article talks about. We'll go back to this article here in just a minute. Uh, let's go to the phone. Let's, let's go to uh, Emmanuel. Hey, Emmanuel, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Well, I'm calling from Montgomery, Alabama, but I'm originally from Liberia. Liberia, okay. All right. Go ahead, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. Thanks for holding. Go ahead with your question or comment. Well, the, uh, I'm a theologian by, 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 by profession, but when I watched the movie, I thought it was revolutionary. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was anthropological, it was spiritual, it was political, I saw international relations, and I saw self-empowerment and pan-Africanism. What did you say about pan-Africanism? What did you say about pan-Africanism? Yeah, I saw pan-Africanism. And I saw a lot of characters in the movie now. I saw Malcolm X, I saw Haye Tottenham, I saw Fela Kuti, I saw Stephen Biko, and I saw some of my ancestors in, in the movie. So the movie was a spiritual journey for me. Right. Now, what did you see referencing Pan-Africanism? I saw Pan-Africanism when the, 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 the king, I'm not going to talk now, when he went back to the project to connect to the, pro the project and brought the family there so that he could build up his community. Right, right. Okay, so uh, King Tashaka. Uh, Oh, Tashala, Tashala, uh, who was the prince, who was the Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, all right, good, good. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic film. It, it debuted in Africa. Uh, there were articles, uh, uh, How Africa, I think, had an article. They were talking about uh, those on the continent of Africa showing up in their African garb and responding to the film also. This is having a huge international impact, a huge international impact. Go ahead. Yes. Absolutely. They dealt with uh, uh, revering the ancestors, calling upon the ancestors. That that's that's in the film also. Okay, brother. Okay, brother. Thanks for calling. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, Emmanuel. Uh, 313 Now, in the film, 
you see the deity of the Black Panther, they call the deity Bass, B-A-S, okay, or they may say Bast, okay, but that's short for Bastet, and Bastet is a, is a, is a Netaru, or a, sorry, a Netar, Netaru is plural, a Netar coming straight out of ancient Kemet, and the spiritual system of ancient Kemet, and, and, and Bastet was depicted as a black cat, and um, uh, Bass, or Bast, because it's also, when you research Bastet, it's called Bass, Bast, or Bastet. This was a deity of a black panther that watched over Wakanda. Now, when you study the spiritual systems in ancient Kemet, you'll see that different cities had a deity or a netter that watched over the city. Now, in Christianity, this becomes the patron saints. Because to form Christianity, they took, now this may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness, just because you never heard it before does not mean it's not true. They took fragments from the periphery of African spiritual systems to form Christianity. This is where you get the, the Immaculate Conception, the Virgin Birth, the Adoration, all that. That, that comes from the story of Asar, Aset, and Heru, who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, and Horus. And, you know, that goes back as far back as 3300 B.C. in ancient Nubia or Ta-Nehisi, which was the mother of ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. So when you study a patron saint, P-A-T-R-O-N, a patron saint, a patron saint was a saint that watched over a city or a nation or a group of people. So St. Nicholas, who originally was an African saint, St. Nicholas, okay, who the character of... Santa Claus is based upon because Santa Claus comes from center class. Center class is Dutch for St. Nicholas. And the character of Santa Claus was introduced by the Dutch in the 1700s when they came to the British colonies. Okay, they're bringing the center class, which was a religious figure, they're bringing that figure to the colonies that later become the you know, the states, the 13 states, who are, you know, the United States. And they're bringing this figure with them that gets transformed from a religious, religious figure to a secular figure known as Santa Claus. But St. Nicholas was a patron saint to prostitutes, pawnbrokers, moneylenders, children. Um, and it was said that this saint watched over these groups of people. We know that Saint Maurice, who was an African Moor, Saint Maurice was at one point a patron saint to Germany. So when you when you study the concept of the patron saints, this comes from the Netaru, which comes out of ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. But we see this in the film Black Panther as the as as Bast, and they have a huge uh huge statue of an actual panther, and this is a deity, which comes from Bastet, which was depicted as a black cat in ancient Egypt. So you've got this history and culture all throughout the movie. You just have to be a history detective and understand how to pull it out, how to extract it. You have to understand what it is you're looking at. So if we look at this article, uh, 10 Fearless Black Female Warriors Throughout History, AtlantaBlackStar.com. They talk about the uh, 
African female warriors, the Dahomey Amazons, or Minnow, was an all-female military regiment of the folk people of the kingdom of Dahomey in the present-day Republic of Benin, B-E-N-I-N, -E Benin. They existed from the 17th century to the end of the 19th century. While European narratives refer to the women soldiers as Amazons because of their similarity to the semi-mythical Amazons of ancient Anatolia, they call themselves Ahosi, A-H-O-S-I, A-H-O-S-I, which means king's wives, or Menno, which means our mothers in the Fo language. Fo is spelled F-O-N, but the N is silent. The Ahosi were extremely well trained and inculcated with a very aggressive attitude. They were ferocious fighters with a reputation for decapitating soldiers in the middle of battle, as well as those who were unfortunate to become their captives, Okay. Say Dong Hong Bay, B A H, um, I think that's how you pronounce it, Bay, um, B E H, B E H, was one of the great leaders of the Minnow. In 1851, she led an army of 6,000 women against the Egba fortress of uh, Abeokuta, A B E O K U T A. Because of the Minnow, be, sorry, because the Minnow were armed with spears, bows, and swords, while the Egba had European cannons, only about 1,200 survived the extended battle. European encroachment into West Africa gained pace during the latter half of the 19th century, okay, so the late, the, the late 1800s. In 1890, King Bahanzin, uh, B-E-H-A-N-Z-I-N, uh, -E used the Menno's fighters alongside the male soldiers to battle the French forces during the first Franco-Dahomian War. The French, almost the French army lost several battles to them because of the female warriors' skill in battle. Read this article because they talk about other female warriors also, right? This is from AtlantaBlackStar.com. We have it posted at our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. Ten, ten fearless black female warriors throughout history. Ten fearless black female warriors throughout history, okay? We see um, the article from Essence.com. We know Essence is African-American owned and operated again. I wonder, and, and these articles generate revenue. So when people say zero dollars going to the African-American community, that's, that's not true. Maybe zero dollars in your pocket. How did you position? Like I said, right? We knew this movie. Two years ago, we knew this movie was coming. How did you position yourself to be able to profit from the movie. You got African Americans selling African garb. You got African American stores selling African garb. They position themselves. Success is where preparation meets opportunity. How'd you position yourself? Black Panther premiered in Africa and the continent showed out. This is Essence.com. Essence is African American owned. Remember this. Black Panther premiered in Africa and the continent showed out. Black Panther premiered all around the world this weekend, and Africans made sure they did not disappoint when it opened in their individual countries. The Marvel blockbuster's first Africa premiere was on Tuesday in Kasuma, Kasumu, Kenya. Though it is only Kenya's third largest city, Kasumu is the home of actress Lupita Nyong'o, who's featured in the film. And she's kicking butt in the film, too. This is a real African warrior. This sister's kicking some behind in the film. 
And in one of the scenes when they're in the casino and she's kicking behind, pay close attention, right? One foot, she has a high heel shoe on. The other foot, she's barefoot and she's still kicking behind. That's hard to do. Kasumu County is led by Lupita Nyong'o's father, Governor uh, Anyong Nyong'o, who arranged for the first African screening of Black Panther to take place in Western Kenya, as reported by BuzzFeed.com. Now, Lupita did, did, Lupita did not appear for that opening, but she was spotted alongside uh, uh, Danny Guerrero, who's, uh, who's the general, the African female general. She's bald-headed. She's kicking butt in the film, too at the movie's premiere in Johannesburg, South Africa on Friday, okay? Now, in the film, in the scene in the uh, casino, you'll see Danny Guerrero, you'll see her with, with straight hair. That's a wig. She's in, she's in disguise. But when she starts kicking behind, she takes that wig off, okay? Some sisters take their wig off also when they get into a fight in the street, right? But she took her wig off, okay, <laughs> to reveal her reveal. Her, uh, reveal Reveal her bald head. Now, Lupita did not appear for the opening, okay, in Johannesburg. I'm sorry, uh, in Kenya. Uh, but she was spotted alongside Danny Guerrero at the movie's premiere in Johannesburg, South Africa, on Friday. And in this, in, in this article from SS.com, African American owned and operated, generating revenue from these articles, like you should do, right? You see them in, in African garb also at the premiere, okay? From Lagos. Nigeria to Accra, Ghana. They show a glimpse of how Africa showed up for the Black Panther premiere. And they have pictures and social media posts of this. All right? This is fantastic. This is a worldwide phenomenon. Okay? This is a worldwide phenomenon. So while you have Negro naysayers on Facebook complaining, talking about the African-American community didn't make any dollars, that's not true. You just didn't make any dollars. Okay, so check out this article. We'll post this on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. You got African-American children showing up in African garb, African-American families showing up. This is a phenomenon. Okay? So when we come back, we'll continue the discussion. 313-778-7600 is a call-in number if you have a question or comment. I'll talk about my article, Black Panther is Raising the Conscious Level of African Americans. Black, Black, Black Panther is having an impact on the conscious level of African Americans. We'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about, um, uh, we'll have the interview from Angela Bassett about the film Black Panther. And then we'll deal with part two of what are kids really learning about slavery in school? What are kids really learning about slavery in school? I'm Michael M. Hotel, the African History Network Show, 19 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hello everyone, this is Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network and host of the African History Network show. It's African American History Month once again, and this is a perfect time to register for our online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade with a Didn't Teach You in School. This is a 14-hour course broken up into seven sessions. It's all pre-recorded, so it's all on demand. The entire course is pre-recorded and on demand, and it also includes about 20 hours of bonus content. So as soon as you register, you can start watching immediately. This online course is on sale for only $50. It's taught by myself, Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network. 
And when we discuss the transatlantic slave trade, we have to understand that African people are the original people of North, Central, and South America and have been in the U.S. for at least 51,700 years. We can't start studying our history of slavery, even when we study the transatlantic slave trade, which is important to study. We cannot start in 1619 or in the 1440s when the Portuguese get involved. We have to understand the history chronologically and deal with the 800-year occupation of the Africans known as the Moors, who entered into the Iberian Peninsula, today known as Spain and Portugal, from North Africa in 711 AD. This course not only deals with the slave trade, but thousands of years of history that leads up to the transatlantic slave trade of African people taking place. You can register for this course at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com is right on the homepage of our website. It's all on demand. I do a PowerPoint presentation, video clips, numerous references, so you can start watching as soon as you register. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they did teach you in the school. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the superstation, the future radio. Second hour, hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. Did a been doing presentations the past three days. Uh, I was with uh, Anthony Brogdon, a Detroit filmmaker, Friday and Saturday. Uh, he is the filmmaker of a documentary called Business in the Black. Business in the Black. It came out uh, originally May of 2017. This deals with a history of African-American uh, businesses and entrepreneurship uh, across the country. And they, did, they look at Detroit also because he's from Detroit. So am I. I'm featured in that documentary, so I was speaking at two screenings Friday and Saturday. Then I did a presentation over at the St. Francis uh, Baptist Church uh, on uh, West Warren Avenue in Detroit. Okay, so shout out to the pastor over there and uh, Brother uh, uh, Kenyatta who invited me to speak today. People were totally blown away. We're talking about the film Black Panther. Black Panther is raising the conscious level. Of African people, of African Americans, is having an impact on the conscious level of African Americans, uh, and that's the latest, my latest article. You can read all of my articles at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, uh, you can check that out there. And I have uh, some social media posts from Tony Browder. Tony Browder is one of our great um, African Center scholar warriors. He's a historian, archaeologist. We're in. Uh, the Black Friday documentaries together. And um, in the article I said, the much-anticipated Disney Marvel Studios blockbuster movie Black Panther is finally here. And African Americans are speaking out and showing up to see the movie in droves and some in African attire. The film officially opens on Friday, February 16, 2018 in over 4,000 movie theaters. It is expected to gross $170 million in this opening weekend. We know it's on pace to do $214 million uh, in this opening weekend, uh, as reported by BoxOfficeMojo.com. BoxOfficeMojo.com. If you want to know the revenue of a movie, go to BoxOfficeMojo.com. As the Griot reported, African-American owned and operated, generating revenue from the articles. As the Griot, as the Griot reported, G-R-I-O, thegrio.com. The film grossed $25.2 million on Thursday, February 15th. 
The character of the Black Panther was created in 1966 by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby for Marvel Comics. The character first appeared on the big screen in the blockbuster film Captain America Civil War in 2016. This is two years ago, right? Okay. We, we, they, they announced when it came out that there's going to be a Black Panther movie. Now, the Black Panther character officially... So the Black Panther first appeared in the comic books Fantastic Four, issue number 52 in July of uh, 1966. July of 1966. The Black Panther Party for Self-Defense wasn't created until October 1966. So some people think that the Black Panther... Uh, comic book was or the character was patterned after the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. No, it came out before the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense was created. Now numerous interviews have been done with cast members such as Chadwick Boseman who plays King T'Challa of the fictional African nation of Wakanda who is also the Black Panther, Lupita Nyong'o, Angela Bassett, Michael B. Jordan, etc. One of the most important things to take away from this film is that we get a chance to see an African nation that was never colonized, never conquered by Europeans, and was not the victim of slavery. This is one of the reasons why Wakanda is so technologically advanced. It's, this is one of the reasons why Wakanda is so technologically advanced ahead of the rest of the world. Their history was never interrupted by slavery and colonialism. This movie is an opportunity for the real teachers of African history and African American history to use the enthusiasm surrounding this film to teach African Americans real history. This is what I did over at St. Francis Church today. As the founder of the African History Network and host of the African History Network show, I saw the movie on Thursday night, February 15th, and was totally blown away by the movie. We see African garb, African traditions, honoring our African ancestors the importance of knowing one's history, nationhood. All of the women have natural hairstyles in the film. You have numerous beautiful dark-skinned African women, African-American women in the film, etc. All of this displayed on the big screen. There will be Negro naysayers who will complain for whatever reason, but this is what naysayers do to gain attention and to stay relevant because they have nothing better to do. There will be others who will use this film as a teaching tool for our children and our people. Which one will you be? The choice is up to you. Success is where preparation meets opportunity. What are you preparing yourself to do? So Tony Browder, author of Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization, author of Egypt on the Potomac, featured in the documentaries Hidden Colors and Black Friday. We're in the Black Friday documentaries together. On uh, this past Friday, uh, February 16th, Tony Browder said, I saw Black Panther last night, and, I, and it truly lived up to the hype. Whenever I see a film of this magnitude, I am as interested in the audience's response to the film as I am the film itself. There is no question that the audience loved Black Panther. They laughed, cried, cheered, and applauded at all the right moments. They were into the movie because it resonated within them, deep within their souls. Black Panther represents a defining moment in film history, one that will forever change the, words, the, the world's perception of, African, of Africa and Africans. 
one that will forever change the world's perception of Africa and Africans. What we do in this defining moment will determine every moment to come. There will be naysayers who will object to some scenes and condemn the film in its entirety. And the naysayers usually ain't doing a damn thing productive in the first place. Just period. They're usually not. If it wasn't for this film, they'll be complaining about something else. Right? Notice how a lot of the naysayers, notice how they're experts on conspiracy theories, but can't tell you what to do to solve the conspiracy theory. Can't tell you what to do to fight against this conspiracy theory. Can't tell you what to do to solve it. They're just experts on conspiracy theories. That's me saying that, not Browder. But he probably agrees with me. But there is much more to love than dislike about Black Panther. This film will leave an indelible impression in the minds of black people, especially black children, who seldom see positive images about Africa, Africans, African culture, traditions, black love, respect, and self-respect. Black Panther begins and ends with black African children and imparts a message that the adults in their lives must reinforce. What happens next is up to us. Black Panther represents an opportunity for black people around the world to find the good in themselves, internalize it, praise it, and pass it on. Now that was Friday, okay? Now, last week, Wednesday, so that was Friday, February 16th, Browder posted that after seeing the film. Now, last week, Wednesday, two days before the film debuted, Browder listed some books that we that our people should read now that their minds have been open see now you have to educate yourself because the foundation is african history history and culture which gives us our foundation gives us our vips our values our interests and our principles our values our interests and our principles browder tony browder said it is important that people of african ancestry use the energy generated from the black panther phenomenon to reacquaint themselves and their children to our African heritage by doing what our enslaved ancestors were not allowed to do. And as read, he said, read uh, Saba, SBA, Saba, The Reawakening of the African Mind by Dr. Asa Hillian. Read, Let the Circle Be Unbroken by Dr. Marimba Ani, formerly known as Donna Richards. Read, Introduction to African History by Dr. John G. Jackson. It actually, Introduction to African Civilizations, that's the name of the book, by Dr. John G. Jackson. Read, um, They Came Before Columbus by Dr. Ivan Van Sertima. Read, Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization and From the Browder Files by Tony Browder. Read, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence by Dr. David M. Hotel. Okay? That book will totally blow you away. It deals with the African presence in the land we call the United States going back at least 51,700 years based upon hard archaeological evidence. We were here before Native Americans came into existence. So then you have um, Brother Keedy, Brother Keedy Awadu, fellow talk show host. He, he, he owns LIB Radio. He's out of California. When I was, um, I spoke in California at the Caress Unity Center. Um, December 31st, New Year's Eve, 2017, and January 1st, New Year's Day. 
and uh, Brother Keedy interviewed me um, a few days before the interview. So he saw the film. He posted on Facebook. He said, I saw Black Panther last night. It was all that and even more. The details and nuances of African cultural themes were so deeply woven into the script and cinematography that I'll have to watch it several times to catch them all. Sisters will find out that you can't fight with that wig on your head because the general takes the wig off and she's kicking people's behinds. I mean, these are some fierce African female warriors. He said, please go see the movie this opening weekend. Take your friends and make this the all-time biggest box office weekend. He said, quote, what happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. End quote. That's a quote from the film, from T'Challa, from the Black Panther. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. But what happens from the enthusiasm, how we take this enthusiasm of the Black Panther, what we do with it, this impacts what happens to the rest of the world. Because the world is captivated by this film. And see, power is the ability to define and shape reality and have other people accept your definition of reality as if it were their own. Let's go to Theo on, um, on the phone line, line one. Theo, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. Oh, you're welcome. Um, good morning to you. I wanted to, um, to share a couple of things. One, um, I think of a nation and that Turner movie. The Birth of a Nation. No, 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 no. A lot earlier than that. Okay. And you would buy a movie ticket mm -hmm. and instead of the name of that movie being on your ticket, mm -hmm. you would have, I don't know, Mickey Mouse or whatever. Okay. And it shut down the number of tickets purchased. Mm -hmm. So when people buy a ticket to, to uh, Black Panther, they yeah. need to look at that ticket and make sure it says Black Panther on it. That's true. That's true. And now, you remember that at I'm trying to... Yeah. It, it, happened, it happened most recently with the movie The Birth of a Nation, which was about the Nat Turner Rebellion. It happened most recently with that. But, but go ahead. I didn't, I didn't know. Oh, okay. Well, I always check my movie tickets, mm -hmm. you know, now. And I went to see Birth of a Nation, and mine was printed correctly. Mm -hmm. But I know that they do it, and I don't think it's an accident. Okay, right, and, right. And um, um, besides them trying to um, um, change the numbers, it, it's still ticking behind. Right, absolutely. The last thing I want to share with you mm -hmm. is uh, um, Gwen Mingo is having a meeting at Sacred Heart Activities Building. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, right there, Mac and I-75, between McDonald's and Sacred Heart Activities Building, and it's about foreclosures. The real truth about how they're trying to foreclose on her property in Midtown. Okay, that's 3451 Rivard Street, Detroit, Michigan. 3451 Rivard Street, Detroit, Michigan. Give us the time and date. Tuesday. Tuesday. The 20th of February at 5 p.m. Tuesday, 5 p.m. This, you know, this week. Tuesday, okay. 20th of February. Okay. And so they're going to find out what they, whoever they are, are trying to do to take her property. Okay. All right, good. People show up for that. Okay. All right, Theo. Theo Broken from Hood Research. All right, Theo. Thanks for calling in. Okay. And Theo's had me on her TV show a few times recently also. 
All right, uh, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Uh, be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD lectures are there. The presentation I did today uh, was originally recorded February 3rd. Uh, Breaking the Chains, Why We Celebrate African American History Month. Breaking the Chains, Why We Celebrate African American History Month. Exposing the Myths, that's available. It's a three-hour presentation available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, so um, let's see here. Let me go to this uh, other article. Let's bring up this other one. Oh, you know what? Let's go to this interview here. Angela Bassett was interviewed on MSNBC uh, this afternoon talking about the film Black Friday. So we know she portrays uh, the queen of Wakanda, and she is the mother of T'Challa, of the Black Panther, played by Chadwick Boseman. Let's go to this interview. Black Panther and the film is already shattering records at the box office, grossing $194 million so far. It is slated to break the President's Day weekend record. But beyond the commercial success, Black Panther's predominantly black cast is making a cultural statement that representation matters. I am thrilled that one of the stars of that movie, of Black Panther, one of Hollywood's leading ladies, actress Angela Bassett, joins me now. Congratulations, first of all, on the movie. And I want to start just with the import of this. I'll ask you a question that I asked Winston Duke last week. That is, what would this movie have meant to you as a kid, to be able to go to the theater and to see a movie like this? Oh, it would have been thrilling. It would have been exciting and been all those things that it is for, you know, my 12-year-olds today. It, uh, their, their chest is puffed up, they're full of pride and, and, and self-respect, and, and they can envision themselves doing anything, being kings, queens, you know, uh, tech-savvy you know, tech whizzes, anything is possible. I imagine that you have uh, a lot of choice, that you're picky about the roles you take. What was it about this one in particular that was attractive to you? Well, I think absolutely first off was when I got a, a call from Ryan Coogler, the uh, the filmmaker, the director, the filmmaker, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had seen his, his previous two films, Creed and Fruitvale Station, and was completely and thoroughly impressed with his storytelling. His, uh, he's also the co-screenwriter of Black Panther, along with Joe Robert Cole. And uh, I was just so impressed with him on all levels. The, the, the way that he brings such, um, such passion you know, to the screen, through the story, through the characters, the way that it's casted. So whatever it was, I was on board. The answer was yes. And then he began to lay out the, uh, the story, uh, what, it, what it might look like. And just the, the idea that I would have an opportunity to, to portray um, of this nation, of this mythical nation, Wakanda, a queen, and I had I had not seen that that imagery um, represented in color before. So that was that was intriguing and enticing to me. How and also marvel. How can you? There you go. You know, <laughs> marvel us, right? There you go. Uh, how different was this set when you were with that ensemble? How aware were you of the cultural significance of it at the time as you were making this movie? How different did this set feel from others that you've worked on? Well, I, I've not been on, on another uh, Marvel set. I have been on another superhero set. I did a, a movie, a Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. But there was such a sense of camaraderie and, and family and the familiarity and uh, pride, swag, cultural pride, um, intelligence. Um, 
it was just it was it was wonderful the crew in front and behind ca the camera um, just just talent on board uh, across the board uh, we were there was one particular scene where we we're on a, a mountaintop and the the waterfall is cascading between us and we we're there for 10 hours we did what they call french hours where we shoot for 10 straight hours uh -huh. and you, you get your lunch when you can <laughs> how you can and it was a little treacherous because it was almost like a ride at uh, a, a disneyland or something and of course i had this huge uh, costume gown on so i would actually keep snacks up under there along with umbrellas and <laughs> sun shades and all of that but um in, while we're waiting, there's a lot of waiting while you're filming a movie. We also had drummers that were a part of the scene, and they would begin to drum, and the entire mountain would would sway and yelp and sing and hum, and it was something like I'm familiar with a call and response, but mm -hmm. I'd never, you know, seen, you know, been a part of on a set before, and I knew it was particular and special to this moment. Uh, these characters have been around for half a century now, and they have resonated at many times uh, in that 50-year uh, history. I wonder what it is about this time in particular, in your estimation. What do you think uh, speaks to folks about this movie right now? Oh, well, as you say, it's been 50 years. Yeah, um, um, Stanley and Jack Kirby uh, penned Black Panther in 1966, and, and, you know, during the height of the... I, you know, initially I have to go back and say that when I would t folks say, what are you doing? What are you up to? I'm say, oh, I'm filming Black Panther. And maybe about 50-50 it'd be, oh, about the Oakland Panthers, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, or about the comic book Black Panther. So that was interesting. So uh, the, that, you know, that revolutionary group of that time, people were just, uh, I think folk are just so, you know, have been, We've heard rumor of it happening, of other actors who were interested in bringing it to the screen, mm. and it would get a bit of a momentum, and then it wouldn't happen. But I think now is the time. You know, Marvel has have, has a track record. They have, they've, you know, you when Marvel comic comes out, you know, the the faithful are there. We know what to expect, and they're killing it. So this was the time. It took them as long as it had to get ready for Black Panther. You made an appearance in Masters of None, and I just want to read a quote here from Lena Waithe, uh, who won an Emmy for her writing on that series about you. Uh, she said, Angela Bassett is a freaking legend. Without Angela Bassett, there is no Viola Davis. Without Angela Bassett, there's no Halle Berry. She's the one who came in and did things Meryl Streep was doing as a black uh, actress. High praise there, deserved praise from, from Lena Waithe. Let me ask you about this moment in Hollywood. We have the Me Too uh, movement. We have Time's Up. I know you've been thinking a lot about the uh, the significance of all that and what needs to happen. Share share with us, if you would, here, your prescription. When you look at the disparity in uh, actors' and actresses' salaries, for instance, in the harassment that we've seen exposed here over this last year, what needs to happen in this moment? I think that we, um, you know, it's up until this moment, I think we've been lulled into thinking that, um, you know, because we have social media and all, on all of these devices, that there are no secrets anymore. But there have been a few secrets that have been kept, been kept well. And I'm so enthused and excited about this movement, Time's Up, Me Too, because it's a moment to pull off the covers and expose these secrets, you know. Um, you know, those who are in power, who hold the strings and the purses have, you know, they, they've sometimes, I think, co-opted you into keeping silent, you know, just you alone, what you're getting, be satisfied, you, no more. 
But um, I, I'm glad that constituents oh, are okay. revealed that well, these ugly like ones are coming, uh, coming to bear and being exposed, and the light of day is shining on them. Oh, Such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Angela Bassett joining me from Los Angeles this afternoon. Are you an African-American business owner? Well, you want to have your business listed at Afroganics.co. Afroganics is a multi-vendor e-commerce platform that allows customers to purchase items, book services, make appointments, make reservations at restaurants, order groceries, and so much more. Featuring more than 200 categories, Afroganics will showcase African-American businesses of all types. Afroganics launches in April of 2018 for customers, but business owners can register right now at Afroganics.co. That's Afroganix.co. If you register now, your store will be free until July 2018. Plus, Afroganix takes absolutely no commissions ever. Afroganix is committed to building a virtual Black Wall Street. Visit Afroganix.co today. Hello there, Afro Nation. We're sure that many of you make purchases online, but it's painfully obvious there aren't that many platforms just for black-owned businesses out there. How many of you buy products online? Have you ever put in a food order for pickup or delivery? What about making a reservation at a restaurant? Lastly, how many of you book appointments online? Well, on Afroganics, you'll be able to buy products, put in orders for pickup or delivery, book appointments, make reservations, and so much more you'll be able to find black-owned businesses locally and nationally by name, city, state, zip code, or the 200-plus categories that we have. We really mean business when we say we want to create a virtual Black Wall Street within each black community across the nation. We look forward to seeing you buying black on Afroganics when we launch for customers April 2018. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. The new documentary, 1804, The Hidden History of Haiti, is available right now at africanhistorynetwork.com. 1804 goes in depth about the four principal players who were instrumental in Haiti's independence. They were Mackendall, Duddy Bookman, Toussaint L'Overture, and Jean-Jacques Dessalines. This documentary gives a compelling look into the strategies, the motivation, and the mindset that led to Haiti being the only slave population who successfully overthrew their oppressors. Featured in the documentary 1804 are Dr. Leonard Jeffries, Professor James Small, 
Professor Kabahiawatha Kamene, Dr. Wade Nobles, Wycliffe John, and many more. The documentary is available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's from director Tariq Nasheed, creator of the Hidden Color series, also available at, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Our other documentaries include in the Black Friday series featuring Michael M. Hotep, Elementary Genocide, and Michael M. Hotep is featured in Elementary Genocide Part 3, Resurrecting Black Wall Street, The Blueprint, and many others, all available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Place your orders today. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, uh, the Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. That clip we played, that was from um, MSNBC. That was from earlier today. That was uh, Angela Bassett talking about the film Black Panther. Uh, you can go to MSNBC.com, MSNBC.com. And the name of that clip, I'll give it to you here in just a minute here. Angela Bassett, now is the time for Black Panther. Now is the time for Black Panther. That is from uh, February 18, 2018. You can also just Google that title, Angela Bassett, now is the time for Black Panther. And it'll come up with that clip. They probably have it on YouTube also, okay? So when we look at this article from CNN Money, cnnmoney.com, Black Panther brings in a record-breaking box office weekend. Black, Black Panther brings in a record-breaking box office weekend. Uh, it's from uh, February 18, 2018, earlier today. It talks about how uh, Walt Disney estimates the film will bring in $218 million domestically for the four-day holiday weekend. We know tomorrow's President's Day. At BoxOfficeMojo.com, uh, they've raked in... Um, 192 million dollars uh, so far, so they're number one for this week. The closest uh, movie behind them in the number two place <laughs> is at 17 million dollars. Peter Rabbit, right? Black Panther's at 100, so the Panther is ate up the rabbit, right? Black Panther's at 192 million. <laughs> Peter Rabbit's at 17 million. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so Black Panther also shattered the record for an opening in February, which belonged to the movie Deadpool, Deadpool, which was an R-rated superhero film from 20th Century Fox that brought in $132 million when it opened in 2016. And actually, you know, Black Panther, this is the first movie I've seen in at least a year. I haven't been to the DA to see anything. This is the first movie I've seen in at least a year. Now, um, Black Panther is the second biggest opening for a Marvel Studios film behind the 2012 uh, film The Avengers. It outpaced other huge hits like Avengers Age of Ultron, Captain America Civil War, and Iron Man 3. Okay? Now, uh, Black Panther is Marvel Studios' 18th straight number one opening. 18th straight number one opening. Marvel is kicking DC's behind. I'm sorry. Marvel is kicking DC's behind. The record-breaking weekend is watershed moment for Hollywood with, uh, with Black Panther reaching box office heights that have eluded other African American titles. The film's totals could impact the film's totals could impact change in the industry by encouraging diversity in front of and behind the camera. I saw an interview uh, that Chadwick Boseman did. I think it was on the View. 
Uh, so when you read my article, you can read all of my articles at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. When you read my article uh, entitled um, Black Panther is Having an Impact on the Conscious Level of African Americans. Black Panther is Having an Impact on the Conscious Level of African Americans. In that interview, I'm sorry, in that article, I have the uh, video of the interview from the Chadwick Bozeman did on the TV show The View. And I think it's in that one. He also did one with uh, on um, The Breakfast Club. But in this interview, he talks about how the film is doing extremely well overseas, okay? And how this is going to be a game changer because oftentimes studios, and I've heard this for years, I've been studying media for 25 years, I've heard this for years, studios will uh, say African-American films don't do well overseas. They don't, they don't play well overseas. They can't market it well overseas. Black Panther's changing the game. I remember when the film 12 Years a Slave played overseas, and it was either, I think it was Spain, okay? One of these European countries, I think it was Spain, 12 Years a Slave, about Solomon Northrup, right? So you had Chiwetel Ejiofor, who played uh, Solomon Northrup. He was the central figure of the film. He was a free man who was captured and taken into slavery, okay? He was, he was free, living in the north. He's captured, taken into southern territory. But when they had the promotion, I think it was Spain or Italy, one of those countries. When they had the promotions, right, they had the posters of the white figures. They were in the forefront. The figure of Solomon Northrup is in the background. The movie's about him. So, so they say they have to do this to market the film in European countries. We'll see in Black Panther, there are no white heroes. Now, you have the, you have the white guy who's a CIA agent who helps them, but he ain't the main hero. Is the Black Panther, the African warriors, right? Lupita Nyong'o is the African people who are the heroes. There are, there are no white saviors in the film. Okay? So, the film is an important milestone. Back to the article from, from money.cnn.com. The film is an important milestone, according to Comscore, senior me which is a senior media, uh, Comscore senior media analyst, Paul uh, the Garab the Garabid I don't know how to pronounce his last name uh, the Garabedian he said Black Panther exceeded even the uh, grandest box office expectations while simultaneously breaking down cinematic barriers and marking a turning point in the evolution of the genre the genre so the film garnered an A plus cinema score from audiences and a near perfect ninety seven percent score on the review site Rotten Tomatoes, which makes it one of the best-reviewed superhero movies of all time. This is going to change the game right here. Now, how are you positioning yourself to take advantage of this? See, that's the question. See, success is where preparation meets opportunity. This is what, uh, this is what I'm explaining to people. Success is where preparation meets opportunity. ABCnews.com. So I have about 50 articles about Black Panther. Okay, we're only going to deal with a few today. So I'm, I'm going to get to this other topic. ABCnews.com has an article. Tears, exuberance as Black Panther opens across Africa. Tears, exuberance as Black Panther opens across Africa. Black Panther has burst onto the screen in Africa, handing a powerful response to unfortunate remarks about the continent by Donald Trump. Oh, they, they're kicking Donald Trump behind. They should, the next Black Panther, they should have 
they, they should have a character like Donald Trump. Not Donald Trump. They should have a character like Donald Trump. That's a Russian that's a Russian agent compromised by Russia and is a leader in the U.S. They should have him as the villain to kick his behind. They should, they should do that. Not, not Donald Trump, but somebody with crazy hair and is, you know, six foot three, 239 pounds. Talks about how much of a billionaire he is. You know, cheats on his wife with porno stars. I'm not saying Donald Trump, but a Donald Trump-like character. You know, like in the uh, movie Rocky Five, right? Where they had a character that was like Don King, but it wasn't Don King, right? It was a loud mouth. It was like Don King, fight promoter, with Tommy Gunn, but it wasn't Don King, right? They should they should do that for the next Black Panther, okay? <laughs> and have them colluding with Russia, all right? And the Black Panther has to break up that collusion and defeat them, okay? To save Wakanda and to save the U.S., all right? Or whatever. To save the world. They should, they should do that, okay? <laughs> All right, so as the red carpet in South Africa swirl with stunning outfits and ex ex exclamations in the local uh, Souza language, and now the Souza language is used in the film. So when uh, Tashala, Chadwick Boseman, is talking to his father, Tashaka, the language they're speaking is the Souza language spoken in South Africa, one of the languages spoken in South Africa, okay? Um... And, and, and cast member John Kanai plays um, Chadwick Boseman's father. And he is actually Sosa. He's from South Africa. Okay. So the South African actor John Kanai, like many at Friday night's Johannesburg premiere, expressed pride at seeing a, an Afro-futuristic society that celebrates traditional cultures and dreams of what the world's second most populous continent can be. He said, this time the sun now is shining on Africa. This movie came at the right time. We're struggling to find leaders that are exemplary, exemplary and role models. So when you see the Black Panther as a young boy and he takes off that mask, you think, oh my God, he looks like me. He is African, and I am African. Now we can look up to some person who is African. Now, actress Danny Guerrero, who grew up in Zimbabwe, she plays the African general, the bald-headed African female general. She said to bring this film home is everything. Now, the film opened in other top economic powers across Africa, where a growing middle class flocked to IMAX showings and shared vibrant, opening night images on social media. Uh, Liz Mothani, Liz Mothani, after a screening in Kenya's capital of Nairobi, she said, the African culture highlighted in the movie is so rich that it makes me feel proud of being black. I totally love it. I can watch it again and again. Now, Black Panther screened a few days ago in Kenya's western city of uh, Kisumu, where Lupita Nyong'o's father, uh, uh, Nyong, is the uh, local governor. We talked about that. Uh, and then also, it screened in Ethiopia's capital of Addis Ababa. Okay? And uh, the film has been selling out its five times, is selling out its five times a day screenings at the only theater showing the film. 
in, in uh, Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia was the only African nation that was not colonized, okay? Now, Liberia was not colonized, but Liberia is different because Liberia was founded by, you know, the U.S. Ethiopia is the only African nation that was not colonized by Europeans. Now, Elias Abraha, who was the cinema's operations chief there in Addis Ababa, said, quote, moviegoers are enjoying the African heritage part of the film. This is also unique for us because Ethiopia is often mentioned alongside the black power and black movements as the only nation not colonized by Western powers. There are people who change their flight plans just to watch the movie. Now, some Ethiopian fans quickly change their Facebook profile pictures and express their adoration. Okay, a Facebook user who goes by the name Lady Rock uh, Maranatha said, quote, tears stream down my face as I write this. Black Panther was basically an enormous roller coaster of emotions, adventure, and most of all, the affirmation of what I had felt since I left my country for Cambridge and came back. I cried for my people and felt immense pride in being Ethiopian and most importantly African. We are truly resilient and beautiful. As the audience poured out of the Johannesburg screening, spirits were high. Totally blown away, I get emotional, said a reality TV star Blue Mbombo. Mbombo, M-B-O-M-B-O, who admitted that going to the film, she thought the expectations had been hype. But she praised its use of cultural touches like uh, Basotho blankets and called the use of the Souza language very humbling. Others considered the American side of the story. An African American uh, coming back to Africa, it's a nice reminder of their heritage as well. Uh, uh, said Ayanda, um, uh, Ayanda, uh, uh, she called the film awesome. We knew it would be cool, but not like this. Now, some anticipated a flood of interest from African Americans, even cheekily, cheekily. Now I know Black Panther makes Africa look cool. But please do not come to Lagos. It's overcrowded, uh, said Nigerian artist. Uh, uh, Arinzi uh, Stanley. Uh, Arinzi tweeted of the continent's most populous city, Lagos. Um, as Ghanaian celebrity blogger uh, Amya, uh, Amya Deborah put it on social media, what will Black Panther make the world think of Africa now? What will Black Panther make the world think of Africa now? Okay. This is from uh, abcnews.com, abcnews.com. Uh, this deals with uh, Black Panther being shown uh, in Africa. The show is in Africa. Tears, exuberance as Black Panther opens across Africa. Tears, exuberance as Black Panther opens across Africa. Okay? So check that out also. All right. Now, shifting gears here. And uh, I'll do a Facebook Live broadcast about uh, Black
Black Panther tomorrow. I'm interviewing Dr. Claude Anderson tomorrow on Facebook, and we'll share that interview with you all next Sunday. I'm going to see Black Panther again tomorrow, and um, we'll uh, I'll do a Facebook Live broadcast about that. All right. Um, this, uh, you know, the Gap Band had a song called You Dropped the Bomb on Me. You Dropped the Bomb on Me, right? That's what Mueller did to Trump this past week. Mueller dropped the bomb on Trump and Trump supporters with 13 indictments of Russians. Russian, uh, NBCnews.com has an article, Special Counsel Mueller indicts 13 Russians with interfering in the 2016 U.S. election. Thirteen Russian nationals have been indicted by a federal grand jury on charges of interfering in the 2016 presidential election, including supporting Donald Trump's campaign and disparaging Hillary Clinton. Special counsel Robert Mueller announced on Friday. This hit like a ton of bricks. I'm telling you, um, this is uh, just the tip of the iceberg. Probably in the next two weeks, um, you will he, he will come down with indictments of Americans who conspired with Russians. That's the pretext. This is the pretext. These 13, he's coming next with, and that's alluded to when you read this 37-page indictment. That's alluded to what's coming next, okay? They talked about it um, yesterday morning on AM Joy with Joanne Reed on MSNBC. Let's go to this clip. I mean, it could be Russia, but it could also be China. It could also be lots of other people. It also could be somebody sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, okay? All righty then. Good morning and welcome to AM Joy. That was one of Donald Trump's more colorful claims about Russia's role in our presidential election, a claim he continued to make as the issue overshadowed both his campaign and the first year of his presidency. On Friday, that myth came crashing to a halt when Special Counsel Robert Mueller indicted 13 Russian nationals and three Russian entities on charges that included conspiracy to defraud the United States. The explosive new charges are laid out in a 37-page indictment that shows the details how a covert Russian operation aimed to impact voters in the United States using social media posts and ads organized political rallies and fictitious American persons to denigrate Hillary Clinton, Ted Cruz, and Marco Rubio, and to support Bernie Sanders, Green Party candidate Jill Stein, and then-candidate Donald Trump. In other words, we now have a court document with names, dates, and details offering real, clear-cut proof that Russian interference is not a hoax. It's not fake news, despite Trump's repeated claims that the interference story was cooked up by the, quote, dishonest media. And yet, both the White House and Trump's unofficial communications department, at Real Donald Trump on Twitter, chose not to address the massive conspiracy to defraud the American democratic system, choosing instead to twist the indictments into yet another false claim that Trump and his campaign have been cleared of wrongdoing. Hashtag no collusion in all caps, exclamation point. Well, nice try. But in the end, it doesn't matter what Trump says or doesn't say. The fact remains that Mueller's investigation is steadily closing in on his inner circle. According to CNN, Rick Gates, a top Trump campaign advisor, is set to finalize a plea deal with Mueller, which would make him the fourth member of Trump's team to either plead guilty or to be indicted in Mueller's Russia probe. 
Joining me now is Democratic member of the House Intelligence Committee, Congressman Eric Swalwell. Congressman, um, in light of these indictments, what do you make of the, the President of the United States making no mention of Russian interference in his response? Good morning, Joy. Do you believe it now? That's what uh, I ask and most Americans ask of the President. And if he doesn't, uh, is he siding with Russia? Because uh, that uh, we saw in that indictment that we have the clearest evidence uh, that Russia meddled, and the evidence is so strong that prosecutors believe they could prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the highest standard in the law. And so if the president uh, is not to act, if he's not to enforce the sanctions, if he's not to put in place a whole-of-government approach to prevent them from doing this again, then we have to, I think, ask, what do they have on him that would prevent him from acting in America's best interest? And that, to that question of the sanctions, because it is a pretty glaring fact that Donald Trump has refused to implement the sanctions passed overwhelmingly by Congress. What will Congress do about that? Because he is failing to faithfully execute the laws. It's, it's a great question, Joy, and it's one that has not really ever happened, where Congress passed sanctions, the president signed into law the sanctions, and then the executive didn't enforce them. So we really have the power of the purse. Uh, most legal experts believe that the Supreme Court if it ever made it up uh, there, if, if you could establish standing, would kick it back and say it's a political question, or that you should use, you know, your appropriations uh, process. So it, it's really, I think, uh, on the leaders in Congress, particularly the Republican majority, to say, you know, we're not going to fund programs important to you unless you do all it's going to take to address this Russia meddling threat. And what what are the chances of Paul Ryan doing that? Uh, zero. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it. it I mean, Paul it Ryan's spineless. You know the the past. Uh, it you know shows us what the future will look like. Paul Ryan has done zero, and in fact, uh, he's refused to put in place the bipartisan legislation that I've written with Elijah Cummings to have an independent commission. Uh, there's a, a number of other pieces of legislation that would protect Bob Mueller, and so uh, we don't expect him to do much. So hold on tight, and hopefully, there's a Democratic majority come November. All right, let's bring in our panel. Stay with us, Congressman. Joining us is Jim Weinbank, former assistant Watergate special prosecutor, okay, Malcolm Nance, MSNBC there. contributor and author. Okay, so check out that clip at uh, msnbc.com. We're short on time, so love Malcolm Nance, but don't have uh, time to get into it. That's at msnbc.com. That's from AM Joy. Joy Ann Reed, who is brilliant, fantastic, and all of her splendor. Um, and she interviewed today on AM Joy, she interviewed Erica Alexander. Now, we know Erica Alexander as Cousin Pam on uh, The Cosby Show. Erica Alexander is the co-founder of a comic book series, an African-American comic book series. And they featured the comic books uh, on the show today, so she's riding the wave of Black Panther fever. It's another African-American business position to benefit from this economically. Okay, so success is where preparation meets opportunity. All right, so the name of, uh, I'll get the name of that clip for you here in just a minute. Trump tweets on Mueller indictments, no collusion. Trump tweets on Mueller indictments, no collusion. AM Joy, uh, February 17, 2018, MSNBC. Okay, go to msnbc.com, search for that. You can watch the, the clip's about 14 minutes. You can watch all of that, okay? All right. Um, last week we talked about what uh, are kids really learning about slavery in school? What are kids really learning about slavery in school? And this dealt with a 52-page study 
from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, the actual name of the study is from their Teaching Tolerance Division, okay? But the actual name of the study is called Teaching Hard History, Teaching Hard History, American Slavery. And what this study deals with is how uh, the topic of slavery is being largely mistaught, often sentimentalized, and students are alarmingly misinformed as a result of this, okay? And this is a 52-page study. Now, you can go to splcenter.org, Southern Poverty Law Center, splcenter.org. You can download the 52-page study. It's free to download it. Uh, I've been reading through it. It's powerful, okay? It's powerful. Now, this past, uh, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday, I was at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History because Dr. Leonard Jeffries was speaking there, one of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries. So I was there with him. And his nephew... Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries is on the advisory board of uh, the Teaching Hard Lessons American Slavery Advisory Board that put together this study, right? So check out the article from uh, theatlantic.com, what kids are really learning about slavery, from theatlantic.com, what kids are really learning about slavery. That is from February 1st, 2000. 18, right? I talked about this today in my presentation, uh, Breaking the Chains While We Celebrate African American History Month, okay? And this was a study, this was a survey of 1,000 U.S. high school seniors, 1,000 U.S. high school seniors, uh, and over 1,700 K-12 social studies teachers, okay? Only 8% of 12th graders surveyed knew that the Civil War was, uh, was, the, was the cause of slavery. Okay, I'm sorry, knew, knew that slavery was the cause of the Civil War. Only 8% of 12th graders knew that slavery was the cause of the Civil War. Only 32% uh, uh, knew that the 13th Amendment is what formerly freed the slaves. 35% of uh, high school seniors surveyed thought it was the Emancipation Proclamation that freed the slaves. No, it was the 13th Amendment ratified December 6, 1865. And only 46% knew exactly what the Middle Passage was. Okay? So, in the, uh, if we look at the article from NPR.org, NPR.org, National Public Radio, NPR.org, Why Schools Failed to Teach Slavery's Hard History. This is from February 4, 2018. Why Schools Failed to Teach uh, slavery's hard history. They have a, a statement from Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries, the nephew of Dr. Leonard Jeffries, and he says slavery is hard history. Okay, now he is an associate professor of history at the Ohio State University, and he's the chair of the Teaching Hard History Advisory Board. He said it is hard to comprehend the inhumanity that defined it, defined slavery. It is hard to discuss the violence that sustained it. It is hard to teach the ideology of white supremacy that justified it. And it is hard to learn about those who, ab who abided it, okay? You can't talk about slavery without talking about white supremacy and racism. You have to understand white supremacy and racism to understand slavery. Now, the problem, according to the report, is not that slavery is ignored in the classroom or that teachers like their students don't understand its importance. Many clearly do. The problem is deeper than that. Okay, uh, many of the teachers 
reported feeling uncomfortable teaching slavery and said that they get very little help from textbooks or, or state standards. There, now, the report includes several powerful quotes from teachers explaining their discomfort, including this from a teacher in California. Okay? You have a teacher in California who said, although I teach it through the lens of injustice, just the fact that it was a widely accepted practice in our nation seems to give the concept of inferiority more weight in some students' eyes. Like, if it happened, then it must be true. If slavery actually happened, then they must be inferior because they were enslaved. Sometimes it gives students the idea to call black students slaves or tell them to go work in the field because of the lack of representation in the textbooks. So when students see themselves or their black classmates only represented as slaves in the textbooks, that affects their sense of self and how other students view them. Okay, and then add on top of that negative hip-hop, which denigrates us and dehumanizes us on a daily basis, causes all types of N-words and Bs and things like this and thoughts. And then African-American children repeat this in the hallways and in the schools and things like this, right? So other students see this and say, oh, okay, they're dehumanizing themselves. Something must be wrong with them. Because other ethnic groups don't have all these racial epithets denigrating themselves in their music. They don't tolerate it. They have more respect for themselves because they understand their history and culture. Okay? So on um, page, uh, so this is a 52-page study, right? On page um, uh, 15, I think it's page 15 or 16, they talk about, uh, 16, they talk about key concepts that need to be taught when um, teaching this history. One, slavery, uh, which was practiced by Europeans prior to their arrival in the Americas was important to all of the colonial powers and existed in all of the European North American colonies. Two, slavery and the slave trade were central to the development and growth of the economy across British North America and later the United States. Three, protections for slavery were embedded in the founding documents and slavers dominated the federal government, Supreme Court, and the U.S. Senate from 1787 to 1860. Four, slavery was an institution of power designed to create profit for the enslavers and break the will of the enslaved and was a relentless quest for profit abetted by racism. Five, enslaved people resisted the efforts of their enslavers to reduce them to commodities in both revolutionary and everyday ways. Okay, so you can read uh, some more of these. This is page 15 of the study. No, you can get this study from splcenter.org, that's Southern Poverty Law Center. splcenter.org is free to read, free to download. It's called Teaching Hard History, American Slavery. There are tools in here you can use to teach at home, teach in the classroom. They deal with how to teach it the correct way as well. Okay, now we lost one of our uh, great uh, scholars. Um, Lerone Bennett Jr. Lerone Bennett Jr. passed away uh, a few days ago at age 89. He was a uh, former editor at uh, Ebony Magazine. He was the author of Before the Mayflower, Before the Mayflower, fantastic book. Uh, YourBlackWorld.net has an article about this longtime editor of Ebony uh, 
magazine, Lerone Bennett Jr. passes away. He was 89 years old. He passed away from uh, vascular dementia, complications from vascular uh, dementia. Okay, He served uh, as both a journalist and top editor at Ebony Magazine. Uh, check out his book, uh, Before the Mayflower, A History of Black America. Okay, he also wrote The Shaping of Black America as well. All right, check out this article from yourblackworld.net, yourblackworld.net. Ron Bennett Jr., a great historian. I'm going through rereading um, Before the Mayflower right now as well. Okay, and uh, we'll talk some more about, you're going to hear some more about Trump this week. Uh, I think another shoe's going to drop. New, uh, Washington Post has the article, Russian Troll Farm, 13 Suspects Indicted in 2016 Election Interference, all right? Okay, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Hey, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, call me, 313-462-0003, 313-462-0003. Email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, and visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Also, remember at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Wakanda forever. We are Wakanda. Stay tuned for Pastor Mo. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. All right, guys. All right. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. Talk to you uh, tomorrow. We'll... Uh, I'm going to interview uh, Dr. Claude Anderson. We'll broadcast that here on Facebook as well. All right. I'm going to see Black Panther again tomorrow. Got to get out of here. Pastor Mo has to come in and do his show. Talk to you all later. Peace.